Praise God. We'll get your sword in hand and turn to the book of John chapter 10. If you didn't get an outline, uh, they're available for you. Praise God. Praise God. I am going to be pastoral, and it depends how much you pull from me, whether I preach or not, okay? So that's up to you all. But um, I, I'm excited for those who are watching on Facebook Live. Um, this is going to be an awesome time in the presence of the Lord. I have uh, conscious of the time, but he has given me a word, a timely word this morning. How many here have chosen life or you have, you choose life? How many has done that this morning? Come on. Amen. Praise God. The bulk of the body of Christ and those who are watching, you're right here. Someone shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. Someone told you about the love of Jesus and you decided one day wherever you were for me, it was on a, uh, it was in a, a barn, uh, in a, in a youth retreat. And I got on my knees and I said, yes, I choose life. And many in the body of Christ, we have chosen life. We, we choose life. How many of you know it is vital, it is important that you choose life? And what we have to do now is we have to move you from just to say, I choose life. Because yes, you have God's presence here, but you will never receive what God has for you until you move to start speaking life. You will hold back and hinder the promises of God. If you don't know how to speak life. Amen, somebody. So we now see a separation, so to speak. We now see a hunger level. We see people who are not ashamed to speak life over their finance. We see people not ashamed to speak life over that child that's not cooperating according to the design of God. We see people trying to squash the prophetic. We see people who are afraid of the prophetic because they no longer have control. And so when you have to do a 60-minute service, you have to make sure things are contained. You have to make sure that things go according to plan. People have things to do, Pastor Rowe. You've got to be conscious of people's schedule. And yes, I'm aware of that. But when you get to a place where you understand you have to speak life, you know that you want more of God. And so therefore, you hold the word of God and you say, God, I speak life. I remember the time we had to sell our home when we lived in Toronto because God had assigned us to America. And people were coming in and looking at our place, but nobody was making a deal with us. Nobody was saying we wanted to purchase the home. And all of a sudden, this holy boldness came on Magon. And she got a hold of the word of God and started walking around the house. It wasn't just enough to choose life. She now had to, and she walked around the house and started declaring, oh, no, this place will be sold. There will be a buyer. Yes, I can bake cookies and have the atmosphere smell good. But what I need is the Holy Ghost to come up in here and bring the right person, come on, who's going to say yes so we can fulfill our assignment. I'm here to tell you, when you speak life, you tell the devil to shut up. 
And when you close your mouth, you make them louder than the promise of God. And the reason why it's beating up on us is because we're not opening our mouth. You've got to open up your mouth. We see the disciples when Jesus says, we got to get to the other side. I know I told you to go to John 10. We're going to get there. And so he says now, we're going to get to the other side. Why did Jesus say that? Because the Father says, get to the other side. Because Jesus says, I choose life. There was someone on the other side that needed a word from God. They were naked. They were cutting themselves. They were suicidal. They were homeless. Come on, they were living in darkness. And Jesus said, I got to get to the other side. And so he gets in the boat. And the, the storm doesn't come the moment they leave the shore. And the storm doesn't come when they get to the other side. The storm gets when they're right in the middle of possessing the promise of God. Listen to me, church. When the storms are raging, you are so close to your promise. It is not time for you to sit there and ask the Lord, don't you care that we're going to perish? It is time for you to open up your mouth and speak to that demonic spirit and says, in the name of Jesus, I choose life. Oh, come on. Come on, open up your mouth and take 10 seconds and give God a crazy praise. Open up your mouth and give God a praise like you lost your mind. Come on, open up your mouth. I speak life. Come on. That worse, he said he put a muzzle on that wind. These were professional fishermen. They knew the weather. So they would have never got in the boat if it looked like a storm. Come on, somebody. And many of us, because things look okay, that's when you say yes. But the moment the storms come, all of a sudden now you forget the promise that you had before you left the shore. But you got to speak to that wind. And you got to speak to that wave. You got to tell it, shut up, and let the promise of God become louder. Because here's why. God is looking for a people who will not only say, I choose life, but those who speak life. He's looking for a people that will live life full. Because people have made it, or they're perceived to have made that I'm living life, but they're living on empty. They're not full of the promise of God. They're not full of the passion of God. They're not full of the prophetic of God. He's saying, I want you to live life full. John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus is now saying, and he's teaching about the good shepherd. He gets to verse number 10, a familiar passage of scripture to many of us. One that I know I've quoted many times. Here he now says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I think it's a coincidence that there's three dimensions to what the thief comes to do. That's strategic. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He comes to take you out. He doesn't just come to steal, he doesn't come just to kill. To, to make it look like you never existed in the first place. 
But I came. Oh, God. Woo, God. Mm. But I came that they might have life. Zoe. Not the word we use for living or the word biology. He said, I just come for biology. Bio, I came for Zoe. That's divine life that can only be connected to God. And God is that when he released a promise to Wendy, it doesn't mean he ran out so he can't give one to Magog. Oh, so the seven billion people that call this globe their home, God has unlimited promises available. He says, I came that you might have life, and that alone should be awesome. But he wants to emphasize so he can annihilate the thief who says he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so he now says, I came that you might have life and have it, the kingdom says, more abundantly. And that word abundantly means full. He doesn't want you to live on empty. He doesn't want you and I to live on empty. He wants us to live life full. So in the moment when someone comes to us and they need a prophetic word, we have so much of God in us that we live in the overflow, that just the overflow of God's goodness can just hit somebody. They're like, oh my goodness, I now choose life because you are living life full. You are living life. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I ask this question of you. In Luke chapter 15, we read a story, a parable about these two sons. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he's, he's, he, he does three parables, but it's one meaning, but he does three, three parables with, with one meaning. And he's teaching the Pharisees and the teachers of the law about how to live life full. That they're full of, but not life. And so they're full of religion, but not full of relationships. And he had to teach them that you are full of religion, but you are empty on relationships. So in essence, you're not really living life. And here he is now, he's teaching, and in Luke 15, he says that a certain man, a father, had two sons. Two sons. And if you're familiar with the story, how many have read the story, and we call it the prodigal, the, the prodigal son. And it says the younger son goes to the father, and Timothy Keller in his book, The Prodigal God, I believe does one of the best uh, jobs, the best revelation, I believe, from studying uh, really about the essence and the history of this particular story. And it's not my assignment to go to divulge or, or to go real deep into the story. Uh, but, but, but what I want to do, I want to extract from the story how the two sons all went through this. That the, they, didn't, they didn't choose life. They, they, they chose death. And they spoke death. And they were living death. 
But Jesus now is going to explain to you and I through the revelation he's given me of how it's important then that, that what happens is this, is that the prodigal now came home, right? The, the, the younger son, excuse me, came home and I said, God, what made this young son not go back into the world again? What changed? Because at one time, as we read in the scripture, he says, Father, I want the estate. I want what belongs to me. And the father divided unto both of them his property. And what's interesting is that word Greek, word property, there was other Greek words they could have used, but when they were writing this, Luke used the word for living, livelihood. So what he's saying is that the father's life was connected to the wealth he had. You couldn't separate the land from the person who was living. So what he was saying was this, I want what belongs to me. I want the resources without the relationship. I just want to let you know we were only living together. Oh, God. That we weren't doing life together. I just wanted the stuff, but I didn't want you. And so in essence, in that community, when you made a declaration like that, while the father was living was the ultimate disrespect you could give to a father. So Jesus is driving home the point of the separation now that's taking place first within the heart of this young individual. And that's where it begins right into the heart. What he was saying to the father was this, this separation from you, I want you to tear your life apart. Give what belongs to me. So what was he saying? I choose death. Because the only way you could have gotten your inheritance was the father had to die. So right there, the enemy came in to steal, to kill, and to destroy this father's legacy. By speaking to this child to come and to evoke a separation. As I think about that, I might, my mind goes back to, to Adam and Eve and their first two boys. And how, and how worship was a thing that caused the rift. And when God went to Cain and says, Cain, if, if, if you would do right, your sacrifice will be accepted. He says, no, I just want the stuff. I don't want you. And because I just want the stuff and I don't want you, I'll see my brother there and I'll kill him. Separation. Choose death. Am I making sense this morning? Here he comes and, and, there's, and there's a separation. And it's said, after the separation, he went to a far country. And the first point is this. The first point is this. Is when all you want is the stuff, the resources, and you don't want the relationship, you will live a life that is wasted. Because you can't separate the resources from the relationship. They have to be connected. And so God said, if you seek after him first, all these other things will be added on to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added on to you. And so here he is now. He says, I want you to live full. So this younger son thought he was full with all the stuff. And here he was going now with all the stuff. But guess what happens? It's, the Bible says he wasted. That Greek word means that things were scattered. That he would take stuff and just throw them in the wind. 
and there was no strategic plan. There was no, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There, there was no thought to what he was doing. He was just throwing stuff. He was just wasting his life. Because when you walk away from relationship and you don't know relationship, excuse me, you will take your resources and you just throw them away. He squandered his relationship. A life wasted. A life wasted. John Piper in his book says, he wrote a book that says, don't, don't waste your life. And he said the testimony that really challenged him because his father was a pastor. It wasn't a testimony of the car wrecks as a teenager. It wasn't like, you know, the people doing drugs. He says the testimony that really got a hold of John Piper is this. He said he heard about a man that would come to church and his father would be preaching over and over and over and over and over again. And he would come to church and he would be in the service and he would preach over and over again. Finally, one day, he decided to give his heart to Jesus. Everybody was surprised. Everybody was shocked that, look, he finally accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He finally chose life. And when he, when he came to the altar, and as he was weeping, as he was crying, these words came out of his mouth that shook John Piper at a young age. And he said he never forgot to hear when he heard those words. The old man came to the altar, and he said this, I wasted it. I wasted it. He said, for all these years, I was hearing the gospel, but I wasted it. And now I'm at an age of where I could have done so much more for Jesus. I wasted it. And here was young John Piper said, I will never let that happen. I got to find my passion. I got to find my purpose. I got to find the passion of God. I'm here to tell you this morning that when you know the purpose of God, when you know the passions of God, you will not waste your life. Not in 2017, baby. Maybe back in 1900, but not in 2017. When the Lord's return is drawn nigh, we have to be people who are not going to waste our life. If you're going to live life, you can't waste your life. We cannot get caught up on distractions. We cannot squander the gift that God has given to us. You got to get off your hiney and open up your mouth and release the gift that God has given to you. Stop wasting your life. And those who are watching, you know that God has given you a promise. But that relationship was so deep. The wound was so severe. I get it. I understand it. But I'm going to tell you this morning, choose life. I choose life. It was the devil that came in to steal that relationship. It was the devil that came in to rip you apart. It was the enemy. It wasn't God. Come on, somebody. You got to say, as, as, as for me and my house, we choose life. And so here it is now. That he goes and he spends it. And he's sitting here. And he's now in the pig pen. And what was neat about it was this. He, here's the thing. It, Here's the thing. Even the people, even the citizens didn't want him around. As a Jew, as someone from a Jewish nation, you don't go with the pigs. It's against the very culture, the very traditions. You don't do that. So even the citizen says, you wasted your life. You're not coming to waste our life. Oh, God. I'm going to send you out. Because you're so desperate that you will go and do something you vow you never would do before. The enemy wants to destroy who he was. And here he is now about to eat. To feed. To get nourishment. I want you to write that down. Remember that. He went out there to eat. To get fed. He needed nourishment. 
he was running on empty. And he had to get full. And here he is now out and he's going to say, because I've wasted my life, I am now going to eat. I'm going to now digest. My diet is going to be something I never thought that I'm going to ever live on. I'm empty. And there are people who come into church and they sit right beside you and they are empty because they're eating and they're feasting on things that is wasting their life away. So when the pastor challenges them to speak prophetically, I got nothing, I'm on empty. It's a dangerous thing as a pastor to try to pastor on empty. Come on, you got vehicles that you know if it's needles getting to that E, come on. And so some cars, it gives you like you got 25. And when I drive my Ford, it tells me you got 24 more miles, still empty, and it beeps, right? And I push the button, ignore, because I think I got more. And you drive and you push the button, no, I got a little bit more, right? And so the light's coming on some of y'all, and God's like, you're running on empty, come on. And I'm making the sound, you're running on empty, and you got to stop, and you need to get fuel. You need to remember the promise of God to reach your destiny. You can't get it on empty, because when you reach there, you can't take nobody else with you to get to the journey. you got to stop and fill up, and says, I want what God has for me. I'm not going to waste my life anymore. Someone said, my life is not wasted. John the Baptist, and what the enemy do, try to put you in prison for speaking life. And you'll put you in prison. You'll ask the wrong questions when you're in prison. It messed you up. John was saying, hey, did I waste my life as a witness? God is here to tell you, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. I just believe someone has a promise from God. You just got to shout it out. You just got to shout it out. Oh, I'm running on empty. I don't got a promise inside of me. I can't shout. Oh, I'm choking. Because there's nothing inside of me. But I'm sure the Spirit of God is filling you continually, perpetually, renewing your mind every single day. And you says, oh, no, I got word, devil. I got word. I got word. I got word inside of me. I got a word inside, and I got it again. I got it. If someone has a word, open up your mouth and encourage your pastor. Come on. Open up your mouth and say, Pastor, I got a word. Mm, you better believe it. You better believe it. Oh, you better believe it. I got a word. Come on, on this side, shout, I got a word. Come on, I got a word. Come on, show those two how to do it. Come on, come on. I got a word. I ain't living on empty anymore. So he now realizes when he's about to eat, he says, hold on, so I got a word. And that word is, man, my daddy's servants eat better than this. And that's a start. Come on, somebody. At least he started someplace, right? Hold up a second here. When you get to rock bottom, you realize now, hold on a second here. I got a word. I got a word. And I got to get it out. Come on. And so he says, listen, my father's servants, God have mercy. I'm talking to hired help. Folks don't even live on the estate. Folks who come into the estate and do the father's business and go back home. I'm not talking to folks who live in the state. I'm talking to people who live outside of it or even better than me. Come on. Who have seen, has witnessed the goodness of God. So he gets up now and he says, I'm going to tell my dad I'm no longer worthy to be called 
your son. That relationship is over. I ruined that relationship. It can never be restored again. I just want to be able to be one of those who can come in and I can work it off and I can go back and over here. Again, how the enemy was messing with it. They didn't even do repentance right. Come on, somebody. It was about restitution. It was about I can work this thing off again. Again, it was still about I want to give you back the resource. I don't want you. Because I don't think I'm worthy of it. Oh, that's for somebody right there. And so even though God is speaking to you and saying, come on, this is not where you're supposed to be, you still can't believe that he wants you here. And so the second thing to live life, you have to know that you're worthy. A life of worthiness. The enemy is tripping so many people up because they don't think they're worthy of it. That even though they're back in the Father's presence, their mind is still back in their past. And so you're not running on full of God's promises. You're still running on the emptiness of your past. So when we say speak to those things, you can't because all you can speak is the past. And so you rehearse the curse. And so we're frustrated because we're in a place of abundance, but we're still living in lack. And God's like, I don't know what that is. I have no idea what that is. And so he comes back to the Father now and he says, I'm no longer where the Father says, be quiet. I'm going to speak life. Because nobody up here has been speaking life except me. I gave you my life. Now I'm going to speak life. Stop talking like that. He says, I'm going to speak life. Go get the best robe. Come on, somebody. That's life. Go get the sandals. That's life. Get the ring. That's life. I know you just want my resource, but it's impossible to have a resource without having me. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. If you want me, you're going to get my stuff. Don't try to get my stuff and try to get me. Get me and you'll get my stuff. He says, you are worthy. And so all the people, my God, who were in the estate weren't family. They weren't the hired hand outside of the estate. These are people inside the estate that looked at this person and says he, dis he discredited you. He, he brought shame to the family. He did all of this and you're still blessing him. Yes, because I have to speak life. That's all I know is to speak life. So now he goes and he says, a life worthy. And the Apostle Paul, and it's interesting because in the King James, it says, walk in a manner that's worthy. And the word walk and the word live is the same word in the Greek. So when you're living, you're walking. Come on, somebody. And so when he says walk, it's not just this. It's walk. It's fullness it's life and he says i'm worthy so the enemy says what about your past age you tell the enemy shut up devil i know who i am in christ and i keep walking because if you stop he'll waste your time oh good god almighty you gotta walk to your destiny because if you stop he'll waste your time he'll waste your life he'll bring up questions and trivial things that have no importance in the kingdom of God whatsoever and when you start to walk and then you stop walking folks who have stopped walking will start to be right there with you like Job's friend and they'll tell you to stay in your misery come on somebody because they're empty they want you to be empty they don't want you to make progress they don't want you to grow they're going to hold you back but I need someone that says come grow with me I'm walking in the worthiness of almighty God come on Ian I got to walk with someone who knows that they're worthy and I'm walking to the promises of God. Where are you going, Pastor Ro? I don't know, but I want life and I'm walking towards the promises of God. I've got a promise and I got to get it out. 
Oh, good God Almighty. I hear the Lord say, some of you need to walk around your wall. Come on, somebody. You need to walk around your wall and let the enemy think you're going to get dizzy. No, baby. I'm walking because the Lord says to keep on walking. Because I choose life. I'm not speaking yet because he didn't tell me to speak yet. He just told me to walk. Come on, somebody. Ah, hallelujah. What are they doing out there? I don't know. I don't know. Don't, don't talk yet because someone's trying to talk you out of it. He didn't say to talk. Oh, my God. He didn't say to talk yet. You see how high the walls are? I do, babe, but I see how big God is. Come on. And I'm walking around the promises of God. Anyone that can open the Red Sea is cool by me. Come on, somebody. Anybody can send manna from heaven. Oh, it's cool by me. Come on, somebody. And I'm going to keep on walking. Are you dizzy yet? No, baby. My mind is centered on life. And I'm walking around. And God says, now shout. Y'all missed that. Come on. Y'all missed that. Now open up your mouth and shout. Yes. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Hey, Shatayana. I'm walking around Marion. I'm walking around the city of Marion. And God is saying, you've been walking for a long time. Now it's time to shout. Woo! Good God Almighty. Seated. I'm trying to get you out of here in time, and y'all, y'all taking my time. Amen, somebody. Oh, someone's got to shout their promise. Come on. I, Scooby Dooby, dare you to open up your mouth. I dare you to open up your mouth. Woo! Hallelujah. <laughs> How many know when you were raising a child, right, and they were trying to talk? You say, use your words. <laughs> I know it. Use your words. Come on, somebody. And God is telling some of you, stop mumbling. Use your words. Open up your mouth and speak my word. Enemies telling you're not worthy. How could you step into the promise of God? Huh? We got the elder brothers. I know we do. They were in the story as well. The elder brother who came and said, um, what's all this music I'm hearing? The atmosphere has changed here. God, mercy. It doesn't seem familiar anymore. Come on. <laughs> Something is happening up inside of my house. He didn't even go in. He called the servant. Go check out what's going on. Servant came back and says, oh, there's life up in your house. He says, your brother who was dead is now alive. And they killed a fatted calf. Not the golden calf, the fatted calf. Here, here, here it was. That fatted calf belonged to the elder brother. It was his portion. He said, you taking my stuff? So again, I don't really want you, Father. I want the stuff. 
That's my issue, that you're taking my stuff. He says, he wouldn't come in, so the father goes out to him. He says, what's up? Use your words. He says, this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours, has spent all of his inheritance righteousness. And how long have I been in the house when you haven't thrown a party for me? But you never used your words, buddy. You always had this in the house. So you were living, but you didn't want to You were wasting your time. And you could have been using your words to enjoy the provision. So, we have to understand how dangerous it is that we waste our life. That you can become the younger son that wastes your life on all kinds of things, or you can be like the elder son who wastes his life being in a place of provision and never accessing the provision. Never accessing the provision. So here it is now that the father can tell the son, no, you're worthy because of what I've done. You're suitable. You are exactly where you are to receive a blessing. Point number three now is pertains to life. So the question is now, and I'm going to launch in this, what kept the young son from leaving? What do we need to live life full? Thanks for asking. Let me give you the answer. So in 2 Peter chapter 1, 3, and 4, we read in chapter in, in, in verse three. His divine power has granted us or given us access to all things that pertain to Zoe. And godliness, ready for this, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So he's saying is this, is that while he was there in the pig pen, it was God. Remember we talked in January about spiritual growth? It was God that was preparing his heart all this time. And so here it was now when his heart was prepared, he said, I'm going to go back now. And it was God who was doing the performing work. So he's saying what are we responsible for is get to know this God who's preparing your heart. Get to know this God who's performing the work in you. Get to know him. Have knowledge. Don't let the enemy now rob you of knowledge of him who called you into his glory and his excellence. And so when you think you're not worthy, you won't receive your calling. Because someone who is called by God, you can't talk them out of it. You cannot talk them out of their call. I'm here to tell you it is impossible when you know God to be talked out of your calling. Why? Because you're speaking life all the time. You don't have no time to listen to the lies of the enemy to talk you out of the glory and the excess that comes from God. We have to get the knowledge of who God is. And so he says now, his divine power, someone say power. It's the word dunamis. It's the power of God. It is the authority of God that God has given to you. So God says now you have this divine power because you have divine life. Zoe means a divine life that comes from God. So God has to give a divine power to match a divine life. 
It would be irresponsible of God to give a divine life, but don't give it divine power. You will fail every single time, and you'll blame God, and his name, his reputation is at stake. And God says, my name will never, ever, ever, ever be the fame. My name will never, ever, I put my word, I put my word above everything else. My name, my character is vital. So if he's giving you divine life, someone say I have divine life. You have divine power then to live the life he's called you into. God, that's so good. Yes, it is good, Pastor Ro. Why? Because the issue with the younger son and the issue with the elder was this, verse 4, by which he has granted to us precious and very great promises. So he's saying a life, that it, uh, to live life full, you know I have divine life, I have divine power, so I can walk now in a divine nature. So in reality, he wants to get me back to the garden. For the younger son, it was get back to the estate. Get back to the place you have dominion. Get back to the garden where you had dominion and you had rulership and you had authority. And so what he's saying now is before why you left was your nature was designed by the nature of the world. You were asking for things because you wanted to be full of yourself. But now when you're full of the spirit, you now know I have divine power and I have a divine nature. Oh, God. Can I explain this divine nature to you just a little bit? So watch this now. He says you have this promise because now you've escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Because of sinful desire. He's telling you that out in the world, these desires are going to keep coming and they're going to keep coming and keep coming. Okay? So, so that, that's what pertains to life. So, so, so Wendy, so, so watch, watch this, watch this. So what pertains to life is this. The moment you chose life, Divine nature, I'm sorry, divine life came on you. Zoe. And now you have to speak that. Divine promises, oh God. And so because now there's alignment, because now you're walking in authority because your divine life is matching divine power, you now live life, divine nature, in fullness of God. Oh, thanks for clapping in. Praise God. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so, so that's what we have to understand. We are not this wimpy, scared, uh, spineless believers that escaped the world and we found religion. Oh, no, we're not. Come on, somebody. I remember when I was working at, at a drugstore. And so one guy said to me, he says, ah, you only became a Christian. Because you can't live in the world and you can't do all this thing. And I was up on the ladder putting away products, doing my thing. And I said, hold on a second here. I was cool until you opened up your mouth. And I said, let me tell you something here. I can be what you are any day of the week, baby. It don't take all that to follow the flow of the world. But I challenge you to do what I do outside of the divine power of God and see if you can walk the way I can walk and live the way I can live. Shut your mouth. You got to tell the critics to shut their mouth. Come on, somebody. I didn't just find religion. I found a relationship. Come on, somebody. Jesus got a hold of my life. Talking about where whims, they got to shut their mouth here. Come on now. 
Make us look like we're a bunch of wimps. Come on, and someone like, oh, and the TV shows that portray Christians. Come on, we're not a bunch of wimps. We have divine power. We have a divine nature that we can push back darkness. And said, so this is a line right here. Right, yeso. That was Jamaican for some of you. Yeso. Which means right here. Look at that Jamaican, Jamaican, Canadian, American coming out. Come on, somebody. Huh? Someone shout, I got divine power. Come on, you're on Facebook Live. Let them hear you say, I got divine power. That's why I can live life full. Huh? That's why I can live life full. I've escaped the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire. I'm out of the world. I might be in the wilderness, but I'm not running on empty. Because for 45 years, they walked in the sole of their shoes, did not wear out. So here's what we need now. It's because we have this divine power, and we have the divine promises, and we have a divine nature, here's our responsibility. So, so, so watch this now. Please, give me a couple more minutes. Watch it. So he's saying, God was preparing your heart for growth. We talked about it in January. And then in February, we talked about God is performing the work. We talked about personal growth in February. And here we are now. Here we are now. The last message of the series. And we're going to talk about, ready for this now? It's not just the, that God preparing the work. It's not just God performing the work. It's you and I now practicing the work. You can't practice it to try to then prepare it. That's called religion. We talked about the wolf, right? We talked about that. We're going to go with the flow. The flow is God's preparing, God's performing, and I'm going to practice it now. But because of the sinful desires of the world, the land, we've got farmers here, so correct me, the land of which we used to get our nourishment from is now being depleted. We're putting more chemicals and we're doing all this kind of stuff now to accelerate the growth of it. We're supposed to rest so the land can produce now, right? We're now doing so much to it that we're putting all these different things in it, right? And so now it's depleting the soil. So food that used to give us all the supplements that we needed now, we lack that. And so physically, we're running on empty. And so watch God now. He says, because now your divine nature has got to be filled divine food. So I'm going to now let you know that there is an open heaven and he's releasing life supplements to every oh God. You're not going to get to the finish line scraping by like this. That devil is a liar. I am going to finish the race like this baby. Oh come on somebody. You saw that was pretty good, eh? Oh, like that. You same both. Come on, somebody. Ah! Come on, on your mark. Get set. Go! You're gonna finish it, baby. And I don't care. Come on, when you watch the Olympics, <laughs> hallelujah! And they thought you say couldn't do it. And when they started, he was behind. But all of a sudden, every stride he was taking. Every stride. I remember my practice. I'm speaking life. And just surprised everybody. Divine suffering. That's what we need. Thank you, Holy Ghost. The Lord said, my body. He says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And what the church now is divine supplements. So instead of going to GNC where you live well, you need to go to G-O-D where you live full. Is there anybody here this morning that said, I'm changing my store. Come on, somebody. I'm going to the G-O-D. 
You ready? You ready for this? You ready for this? So, so here are the eight supplements you need. Oh, gosh, I keep trying to get you out at 12. I'm so sorry. I'm breaking every rule that there is for church growth. Okay, watch this now. So watch this now. So he says, for this very reason. What reason? Because divine life, Zoe. Because of divine promise, because of divine power, divine nature. He says, for that reason now, I've got to give you something to practice. And he says, make every effort or be diligent to supplement your faith. Oh, God. So the faith that took Wendy, the faith that took uh, uh, Kathleen to choose life, he says, supplement that now. Oh, God. Don't just live on that because the enemy will try to annihilate you. Come on. He's saying, don't just live on the faith. You now need to supplement, which means add to. (laughs) He says, add to it now, virtue. So there's faith. There's virtue. How many need some supplement of virtue? Come on, somebody. Uh Uh-huh. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Father, I thank you right now that faith is being released. Come on, get a hold of it. Get a hold of it. You need some faith right now. You need faith to even receive what I'm saying. You're still back over here eating from the pig's thing, and you have absolutely no faith to believe, God, that you're worthy. But I'm going to tell you now, eat from this diet. Eat from the uh, the, the nourishment that comes from God. Not the diet. That's the word diet. We don't want that. We want the nourishment that comes from God. Okay? So watch this real, real, real quick. And he goes now. He says, add faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. And love. When you walk in these eight multivitamins, you walk in these multivitamins, you will achieve the promises that God has for your life. That God has for you. So here it is now. What do we do, Pastor Rowe? What do we do? He's saying this, and I'll and I, and I launch you with this. And this is now for those, I believe, as we progress in this month, that we are right here now. Just so you can see it closer. You are right here. Okay? Everybody, you're right here. Okay? That's where we are. And this is what's going to This is going to Ready? The life supplements, this is what's going to do until Jesus comes, we need life sustained. Until he comes, we're practicing the promises of God. We're practicing his divine power. We're doing all this, but what's going to sustain us? And it's right here. The Apostle Paul says it right here when it comes to life being sustained. Sorry, Peter goes here. In Second Peter chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. He says, if these qualities, if these supplements are yours and increasing, they keep it from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted, they have no vision. That's my putting in there. Having forgotten that they were cleansed from its former sins. Right? Therefore, brothers, be all more diligent to confirm your call and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never stumble. So he's saying right here, if you practice these things, you will never, ever, ever stumble. So how do I do it then? How do I do it? And this is the last part. Right? So, so um, my life is being sustained, and, and this is it. I think I'll keep saying, stop hurrying. But, but, but watch this now. So, so this is how you do it now. This is where we're going to launch you out, because you're right here. Live life, right? So the Apostle Paul now says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Then close my Bible. Some encouragement. Close my Bible. Right? And he says here. Look what he says now. He says, hold on a second. What's the deal? He says, I have divine life, Zoe. And I have divine power, 
to live the divine life. And I have these divine, great, precious promises to live with the divine power because of divine life. And all of that now is giving me this divine nature now where I'm no longer, no longer connected to the world. And so I have these supplements now. I have these eight supplements that I'm, you know, taking for my body so I can finish the race. I can, I can make my connection sure. And they said, you're being sustained because, because I'm practicing these things. I'm being effective, right? I, I have vision. I have passion. I have purpose, right? And you think God would say, that's enough. And he goes, no, remember, live life full. Because there's one more thing left to do. And this is where the separation takes place. These are individuals now that God is calling in these last time now to open some things he's going to reveal to you. And he said, okay, this is now where their individual are going to get to this place that heaven is going to open up for you. And you're going to walk in some perpetual things that God is releasing to you that you yourself is going to be surprised. And Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, here's how you access now. Here's how you access the fullness of God. Are you ready for the fullness of God? Are you ready to access it? And he says now, he says, he says, watch it. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. He says, I'm just going to take it all away. I'm not even going to run the risk of leaving any of me left. I am crucified. Easter's coming now. I am crucified. You think crucifixion, you think Easter's simply about some, some savior that when it says, oh, I couldn't do anything. He says, guess what? If I open my mouth, I can call angels to come down and rescue me. So I am some whip who's going to the cross like I have no life. I'm giving my life because I can take it back. No, no, you got to get that. This Easter is not about some Jesus that's being whooped and being beaten and all that stuff. It's about this Jesus saying, I have life. I can give it because I can take it back again. And he's saying that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, how I live by the faith in the Son of God. And here it is. Here is the three words we need to understand. Who loved me? All of this, all that I've taught for the last few moments, all of that can be null and void if we don't get a hold of he loves that everything I just talked about, this entire journey, the way that the prodigal or the younger son was able to leave this place was because of the love of the father. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. So if I'm going to live life full, I'm going to live life full on the love that God has. Because his love will never run out. That is freedom for so many people. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your people here. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord, in our lives. But I want to pray for some of you. Again, for those who, who have to leave, I get it and understand, please. Please. But there, there are people here that you're saying, Pastor, I'm running on empty. I'm struggling. I choose life, and every now and then I speak life. But today I want to live life. I want to live life in the fullness that God has. I want you to come. I want you to come. 
want you to come. If you say, Pastor Ro, I know he loves me. So today I'm going to crucify myself. Because then I can live. I want you to come. I want you to come. I want to pray with you. Ever so. Come on, I'm going to live on full. Come. Let me pray with you. Is there anyone here? Pastor Ralph? Live life full. Every promise that his daddy had for him. In the mighty name of Jesus, every promise that his earthly father had. Promises he was praying over him, he wasn't even aware of. This morning. He lives in those promises now. Jesus name. Mm, no prayer from his father will be lost. In the name I speak resurrection. Now in Jesus name. Love you. Resurrection. That's it. Not to who you were, but to who you are now. Oh, there we go. Oh, my God. Yes, Jesus. Now add to your faith. Add to it. Try to figure it out. Now live. Live. In the bigness and the greatness of God. You've been marked. You can't get away. Don't waste another moment try to figure it out just add and watch me multiply how are you oh hey what's going on oh praise God Father I thank you for this woman of God the history I speak strength just like mm-hmm. I speak strength over your life. I see that you've seen the grapes in the promised land. They're still there. Oh, yes. 
the graves are still there for you to possess the bodies. That's it. Drink from the holy. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Learn. Yes. Drink from the holy spirit. Come on, try to pray. Do for the pray. Do for the pray. Please, please, please. Drink in the miracle of the wine. Whatever he says, that's it right there. That's it. He went from the grave in the promised land now to when he turned the water into wine. He says, whatever he says, just do it. Just do it. 